This audio presentation was pre-recorded and edited for brevity and clarity. Hello, I'm Michael Buckley with the Bright Focus Foundation. Welcome to today's Bright Focus Chat, Repurposing Drugs for AMD. If this is your first time on a Bright Focus Chat, welcome and thank you for joining us. Let me tell you a little bit about Bright Focus and what we will do today. The Bright Focus Foundation funds some of the top researchers in the world. We support scientists around the globe who are trying to find cures for macular degeneration, glaucoma, and Alzheimer's. We share the latest news from these scientists with families who are impacted by these diseases. We have a number of free publications and plenty of materials on our website, brightfocus.org. They'll offer tips on living with diseases such as macular degeneration. The Bright Focus chats are one way that we share this information with the public. And now on to today's guests. As many of you may know, for late-stage dry age-related macular degeneration, AMD, also known as geographic atrophy, there's currently no available treatment other than vitamins, which only work in early to mid-stages. But there's now encouraging signs emerging from the University of Florida, where scientists working on a grant from Macular Degeneration Research, a Bright Focus Foundation program, are seeing new signs of hope from experiments that repurpose a currently approved cancer drug. Today, we have the great opportunity to take a peek inside of the lab and to be joined by the two lead scientists on this project, Alfred Lewin and Manus Biswal. Both of them hold PhDs and are professors at the University of Florida. Drs. Lewin and Biswal, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. And before we hear about some of the exciting research coming out of your laboratory, I was wondering if one of you could briefly discuss the basics of AMD for our listeners that might be new to this disease. And so I just want to start off on what is the difference between dry AMD and wet AMD? Well, first, let me uh, thank you. This is uh, Alfred Lewin. I'd like to thank you for the, the opportunity to pr discuss our work and, uh, and to be part of this chat. The uh, difference, we hear a lot of, of, about wet AMD and dry AMD, but really this is a continuum of one disease. Almost all people uh, will, who have a AMD will begin with the dry form. But if the disease uh, progresses and worsens, it will go to advanced stages, which may either uh, lead to fra fragile and leaky blood vessels, which uh, are characteristic of the wet form of AMD, or they may lead to death of the very critical photoreceptor cells in the center of the retina in the macula. And this is called the advanced dry form or geographic atrophy. We call it geographic because it's localized in one central spot in the center of the uh, of the retina, and we call it atrophy because it it represents death of critical cells, particularly photoreceptor cells, but also cells behind the photoreceptors called the retinal pigment epithelium. Right now, uh, although we do have treatments for, as you pointed out, for for uh, wet AMD. Uh, to reduce the leaking of the blood vessels, there are no approved treatments for the advanced dry form of AMD, that is geographic atrophy. Great, and um, I appreciate the background. And now I'd like to turn to, um, I understand uh, some, very recently you've had some encouraging news out of your lab. I was wondering if you could, uh, one or both of you could, could tell us about that. Yeah, thank well, you, Mike. And, um, so I can take that question. And um, mostly, uh, uh, one of our research, uh, basically funded by Macular Degenerative Research Foundation, which is the kind of under umbrella of a Bright Focus Foundation, showed that uh, one of a potential drug called Jaliprodin, 
which has been uh, seen that in reducing the rate of retinal damage in a mouse model of dry AMD. And then we use the doses which has been considered uh, safe in humans. So it has been also, this drug has been tested in cancer trials uh, where it has been worked for also for nerve pain, basically in some of the neurodegenerative diseases uh, like amyloid lateral sclerosis, basically ALS. And in this disease, uh, even though it has been uh, in clinical trials, it has not been successful, but it has been passed through uh, phase one and phase two safety and uh, dosing requirements. So that gives that, you know, that's the hope for like this uh, drug could be useful as a novel uh, platform for treating AMD. And it has not been tested in mouse models, and that's one of the drugs we are excited uh, in our research, basically, when it is working in our mouse models. That's interesting. So, so if I heard you correctly, the, in, in, in cancer trials um, in, in ALS, it, it, was, it was found safe for humans but not effective. Did I, is that correct? Yes. That's interesting. So, you know, for our audience that might not be familiar with, with the concept of repurposing, I think it's, it's just really interesting that instead of developing new medications, you take a look around and, um, at something that, that exists and try to find a new use. So I was wondering, how did it happen to the two of you? How did you, what were the circumstances that, that led to that discovery? Well, let me take this one. The, uh, another company called Alcon had tested a drug of this class in a clinical trial. Uh, the same sort of class of compound as Zilipertin. They tried to do, use it by injection for geographic atrophy, and it hadn't uh, worked well. But nevertheless, their animal work in rats suggested that it was very beneficial to protect the retina from damage from light and other insults. So we thought that the, uh, the, this class of drugs might be useful and we wanted to continue exploring, even though Alcon had given up on that particular drug. Uh, and so we really got the hint from the earlier work of other investigators using animal models and, and testing in humans to, to keep going with uh, other drugs of the class. We knew that Zoliperidin was safe, as Dr. Biswell had stated, but we wanted to, to try and we knew also that it was what a, a pharmacist would call orally available. You can take it by mouth. So we figured this would be a useful drug to test because in people you could take it orally, and we knew it was safe. If it protected the retina, then uh, it would achieve our goal of uh, of being uh, what we call neuroprotective and uh, also be useful for as a drug. That's interesting, and so I was wondering, you know, with drug repurposing, there seems there's there's millions of of drugs out there. I was wondering, um, how do you, you know, what leads you to to help narrow narrow um, repurposing down to to a, a smaller number of possibilities? Let me let me take that question. You know, <clears throat> drug repurposing is not necessarily a matter of taking every drug that exists and trying it out on your disease. Instead, we have a hunch why it might work mainly the, the, uh, targeting the particular pathway or uh, targeting a particular signaling pathway. So that could work in an existing way. So what are we thinking? Well, at this point, we're thinking that the drug what is selected, it is working through a particular pathway that leading to the, you know, uh, reducing the, um, the reaction of degeneration. 
So that is the reason instead of uh, directly uh, not testing all the drugs, we are selecting only the uh, some of the drugs which is um, having affecting a particular pathway in that renal degeneration. Well, that's great. What a great example of scientific curiosity. And uh, Drs. Lewin and Visval, uh, Zoliprodin, um, how does it work? Why did it uh, show some promise for AMD? What about it? Well, Manas, do you want to kill, uh, take that one? Yes. Um, so, you know, most of the treatments, what, is, what Dr. Lewin mentioned about wet AMD, are not useful for are not useful for dry MD. You know, as you mentioned in dry MD, basically uh, we are having atrophy in the back of the uh, retina, which is a typical cells we call retinal pigment epithelium. So, so what happens? Uh, you know, xyloprodin, what we are using, that works in a different way than how uh, anti-BGF agents or um, aerated formula, which is a kind of is a clinical trial for dry MD. You know, it doesn't work in the similar way. But what it does, it induces the endogenous uh, antioxidant uh, uh, process and also offers neuroprotection. So now the question arises: How does antioxidants work? Uh, you know, so in case of um, so the way it happens, uh, basically, uh, antioxidants are produced by the body and also obtained through our food. Those are critical part of our body's powerful uh, defense system. So it is like, you know, have you, have you seen like when water goes bad or not goes bad? That means we call it those uh, products got oxidation. So that's the happening in our body. So in, in our body, uh, oxygen is constantly involved in chemical reactions in which electrons are shifted around and to generate energy, our cells remove electrons from sugars, fatty acids and amino acids. These are the biomolecules in our body and add them to other molecules, uh, especially oxygen. So this creates a highly reactive, unstable particles known as free radicals, which combine quickly with other elements. If they are not taken care, they may damage our uh, important biomolecules. So what happens, um, you know, over the time, those free radicals, they can accumulate and then cause cellular damage. Uh, and, uh, and if you could not handle, then that will causing the damage to ourselves. So, you know, so far, only treatments proven to be successful for dry AMD is the vitamin and a nutrient uh, regimen known as the AREADS formula, which was proven effective in a two large clinical trials for NIS. Many of these vitamins and nutrients are also called antioxidants. But we're thinking here at this point, so jaliprotin also acts an antioxidant by inducing uh, the endogenous uh, antioxidants in your body. And is mostly caused by stressors inside the eye, such as drusen. So, and it's, uh, you know, basically, we hope that drusen is composed of light, light lipids and a type of fatty protein in the retina, and also poorly nourished, nourished cells, and also affected by stressors outside the eye, such as smoking, excessive exposure to sun. Over a lifetime, this damage actually accumulates, and the eye has a harder time protecting itself from getting rid of those stressors. So, which explains why as is itself is the biggest risk factor for AMD. So the idea is like, you know, if you, instead of taking, uh, you know, antioxidants, so if you could, it could stimulate our endogenous system, so that could help taking care of itself and from further oxidative stress. Well, it's interesting. So as, as you mentioned, the damage that accumulates over a lifetime, um, uh, does it look like this medicine would um, would actually protect or nourish the nerve cell at the time that you know, kind of a, a, a parallel to when the, the damage is accumulating? 
Yeah, so it's when the, and it's, it, will, it will act that way because you are stimulating the endogenous system. So in, in, in that time, it also causes the neuroprotection. So it helps the increasing antioxidant response gene and also protective enzymes and, and also lowering your uh, most of the pro-inflammatory factors and also the factors like a VGF that could be also reduced if once you increase your antioxidant response genes. Wow. So it sounds like it would be one of the first in a class of drugs to, to provide that neurodetection. And I just want to share a question that we, we get you know, very regularly on the chats, and that's about the, um, the injections people um, need, to re- need to receive to, to manage their AMD. I was wondering, um, would this you know, best-case scenario be given orally or would it be given by injection? So at this point, you know, as the drug has been approved for, like, you know, tested for orally, but what do we think, you know, we would like to use a topical delivery, basically. That means you are uh, focusing on a localized area. So you are not um, trying to, uh, in a systemic, where you have a global action of the drug. So the most idea we're thinking is delivering as a um, uh, ocular, basically an eye drop formula. So we're also working in a separate project funded by Bright Focus Foundation with a novel compound we're studying, which has been isolated for marine algae. And uh, we're in collaboration with a company called iCrow, which actually creates an, um, basically an eye drop formulation using their patented uh, formulations, which you don't know. So that kind of uh, strategy we are in mind if we need to go further with uh, this kind of uh, drug, like Jaliprodin, we could formulate some eye drops that could be useful for the people in the future. Well, that's great. It's very encouraging that there's the possibility of eye drops or, or, um, or other methods that, that are an alternative to, to the injections. So related to that, I know uh, both of you mentioned oxidative damage and oxidative stress. I was wondering if you could tell listeners, like, is this different from normal aging or how, you know, what would, would a person out there think, well, this is just what happens as you get old? So what are, are there differences or how should someone know the um, whether it's normal aging or if they should um, see a vision specialist? I think that anyone who is of a certain age, and I'm of that certain age, anyone uh, who is certainly could be classified as senior citizen should be seeing an eye specialist, an eye doctor, once a year and be getting a, get a dilated eye exam. That's where they put the eye drops in to make your pupils get big and make, make you sensitive to the lights in the examination room. Uh, and have them examine uh, what the physician would call your fundus, or it's basically they'll ta- they'll take a view of your retina. They'll be able to see those yellow spots in the center of the eye, which we call drusen, and which are the first signs of age-related macular degeneration. Our results in animals, but other people's results with patients suggest that if there's going to be an intervention that's useful, it has to start early. So you have to be seen regularly. Once you are at the advanced stage of dry AMD, that is geographic atrophy, or once you have the wet form of AMD, then you're going to wind up having to have shots in your eye, certainly for the wet form. And there may not be as much that can be done. So really the most important message, if there's nothing else that comes from this chat, is get a regular eye exam. And in terms of the ARIDS formula, let me add that if you do have dry AMD, there's certainly it's certainly a good idea 
to take the ARIDS-2 formula, which has uh, vitamins E and C, plus two compounds called uh, lutein and zeaxanthine, and it also has zinc. And one thing that's known from the clinical trials is this will reduce your chance of progressing to advanced dry AMD. It may not prevent it entirely, but it reduces the chance. So those are my recommendations. Great thing. And I corrected that the the the, odd, the odds are better if that is detected earlier in the in the process. Yes. Now, in terms of um, uh, you know the, the the tests that you mentioned at at a uh, physician's office, is there you know is there a particular name of a test or something? How can how can a a patient um, be confident that 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 he or she is is you know going to to receive the the type of te- uh, the the type of examination that that would be that would be uh, most effective here? Well, basically, you should go to an ophthalmologist, mm-hmm. and it should be you should get dilation. And then just visual inspection of the retina will tell a, an ophthalmologist mm-hmm. most of what, what the physician needs to know. If there is a potential problem, there will be other tests that they may do, things called optical coherence tomography or other things. But these are relatively routine in most uh, ophthalmologists' office now, and the diagnosis of uh, age-related macular degeneration, either the dry form or the wet form, is is quite routine. They won't miss it. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Um, now, in your research and the, the research of, of your colleagues over the years, are there lifestyle um, changes um, that that people can make or can continue to to um, uh, to have as a daily practice that can help um, early forms of AMD. Yes, I think that's certainly true. It's basically the same recommendations you'll get from the heart specialist from the American Heart Association or the American Cancer Society. Smoking is a big risk factor for age-related macular degeneration. If you smoke now, stop. And if you don't smoke, don't start. If you drink alcohol, do so in moderation. Eat a balanced diet with, uh, in particular, green leafy vegetables or orange and yellow vegetables. And the reason for that is these compounds called lutein and zeaxanthine are rich in the orange and yellow vegetables. Try and get enough sleep, uh, which is, as, as you get to be my age or older, that's a problem. But you can get it whenever you can get it. And then try and exercise daily. One other thing that's come up, not only in uh, in age-related macular degeneration disease, but also in heart disease and, and in glaucoma, oral hygiene is important. So if you have inflammation from gum disease, that can contribute to disease elsewhere in the body, including the eye. So brush your teeth regularly and see your dentist. That's interesting. I, I think that that's a connection most people wouldn't wouldn't have made. So thank you for for sharing that with us. Um, one of the questions we received, uh, uh, I think, understandable and very straightforward. They would like um, one of uh, Dr. Lewin for you to spell out the name of the medicine that you've been uh, that you've been working on. Oh, I'm not a very good speller, but I think I can do it. Let's <laughs> see. It's X. It sounds it's pronounced like a Z, but it's an X A L I P R. O-D-E-N, so Zolipridin. It has been tested uh, in a variety of diseases, as as Dr. Biswal pointed out, but it's not an approved drug. You can't go to the pharmacy and get it. Hmm. We picked it because it's available and because we knew it was safe, and we thought that it would be, we'd come up with a new use 
uh, for an, an old compound that could be taken by mouth and doesn't well, have to be injected. And I was wondering, um, uh, what comes next for Zlipridin? Is this something that would go to a clinical trial, or where, where, does, your, where does your research go from here? Well, I think there's a variety of ways we can go. Our first goal would be to see if we can give it in the eyedrop form, as Dr. Biswal pointed out, because this is a drug that uh, was developed for its uh, systemic uh, use for trying to combat uh, anxiety. And other drugs of this class, there's another that's currently used called buspirone, is an anti-anxiety drug. We That might be a good side effect. It might be a bad side effect. But if we could deliver exclusively to the eye, then we don't have to worry about that side effect. So our next uh, close uh, step would be to test localized delivery in an eyedrop formulation. The other uh, step would be to test other drugs of this class, and the, the next logical one would be something called buspirone, and I'll spell that too. That's B-U-S-P-I-R-O-N-E. That's a drug that is available at the pharmacy, but it, it's by prescription only, and it's used for anxiety. Well, thank you. Um, we've got a few uh, questions that have come in uh, related to, to research and some of the other topics. Um, uh, we have a question from California wondering, is there any research out there about advanced AMD that might have the chance of improving vision, of kind of bringing back some vision that's lost? Is there anything uh, in the research world that's uh, that's looking into that? Well, let me take that one, Manas. I'll, uh, there's, there's two parts to this. For wet AMD... If you are injected with the VEGF inhibitors, let's say lutein, I'm sorry, uh, Lutentis, for example, or Avastin, that typically, because it dries up the fluid in the eye, typically causes an improvement in vision, in visual acuity uh, that lasts as long as the drug treatment lasts. Uh, the, the downside, of course, is you need injections. For dry AMD, uh, the advanced form is atrophy, is geographic atrophy. The cells that detect light, that is the photoreceptor cells called rods and cones, those have died. And once they're dead, they can't be brought back to life. So the best we can help uh, hope for for the advanced dry AMD is simply to stop or to slow down the progression, but not to reverse it. And then um, another question I received uh, was the, the point uh, a few minutes ago about a dilated eye exam from an ophthalmologist. And they're wondering, um, uh, in some states, uh, can optometrists perform that test, or is this a, a universal uh, distinction across the entire country? In some states, uh, uh, optometrists can perform that. So I can't recall in Florida whether they can do it or not. Uh, in general, though, if you need therapy, for macular degeneration, you have to go to an ophthalmologist. So my recommendation would be to go to the ophthalmologist straight away. Certainly, yeah. if you're going to an optometrist who can perform it, uh, uh, can perform a dilated examination, that person can at least tell you if you have the disease and then refer you to an eye doctor. Great. Appreciate that. A question from uh, Ruth from New Jersey is... Um, Wondering, is there any connection between um, some of these medicines we've talked about today um, uh, and strokes? 
the they haven't been tested. The the medicines that we're talking about, the zolipidin and the other uh, drugs of that class, have not been tested in stroke, and they do not. Uh, the increased incidence of stroke was not a side effect of people taking it. So there was no bad effect that made strokes increase, but they also uh, weren't tested to try and prevent stroke. Thank you. That is a good question. Uh, that, that was Ruth? Yes. Yeah, she asked a very good question because people are looking at oxidative stress as a contributing factor to stroke. And then uh, uh, Olga from Texas wants to uh, kind of clarify a point from earlier. They're wondering, um, is leopardin an antioxidant? Like when you talk about what medicines in that category, is, is leopardin uh, in that category of antioxidants? Well, I think Dr. Biswell pointed out Strictly speaking, it itself is not an antioxidant, but he pointed out that it stimulates our endogenous enzymes that fight uh, oxidative stress, that fight the free radicals that he was speaking about. And so it stimulates antioxidant response, but without being an antioxidant itself. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, and then... Uh uh, are there other um, you know, scientists, that colleagues of yours, that are working on on other types of repurposing? Because it's, it's such an interesting concept to to uh, find existing medicines uh, across the field uh, and and you know see if it can work in in such um, such challenging diseases as macular. So, do you know of any other efforts that are going on uh, on repurposing? Well, clearly, uh, the the best known one is Avastin, uh, which is a drug that was developed for cancer treatment to prevent blood growth of blood vessels into tumors. And that has been successfully used to treat wet AMD uh, starting uh, uh, over 10 years ago. But Bright Focus is also funding other research. Uh, I know that there's a test for levodopa, which is being used to treat Parkinson's disease, but there's a small clinical trial trying to test it for wet AMD. And other bright focus uh, funded research is is uh, studying drugs that stimulate the removal of uh, misfolded proteins and other cellular garbage from the uh, retinal pigment epithelium, the sublayer of the retina that we were talking about. So uh, this research uh, has the the first steps in that research was also funded by uh, the macular de- uh, degeneration research fund of, of Bright Focus. Great. We have a question for either of you. Um, Diane from Texas is wondering um, about cone dystrophy. Is there any research or any any uh, reasons for hope uh, on the, on the horizon for cone dystrophy? Yes, for certain cone dystrophies, they're inherited diseases. And there's a potential for gene therapy if the disease, if the genes are known. So it depends which cone dystrophy she's talking about. But uh, I just went to a students' committee meeting yesterday, and that's what he's working on: is an inherited cone dystrophy. Well, that's that's great. It really sounds like a very exciting uh, labs at the University of Florida. And kind of related to that, I was going to ask both of you. You know, starting first with Dr. Biswell, what type of um, hope do you have for the for the upcoming uh, years um, on research on macular degeneration? I mean, how do you? What's your sort of uh, 
sense of optimism for the each of you your kind of sense of optimism for for the future of, of this type of research uh, well uh, you know so most of the thing is not uh, like uh, our idea is to so that at the end if we could provide an hydro formulation to the patient that could be helpful but at that at this point also we don't know the exact mechanism of retinal degeneration and recently kind of we, our lab was founded with some kind of uh, recent good grant from national institute where um, we are investigating what causes actually under oxidative stress, what kind of damage is happening, and whether we can control. So next five years, probably, uh, we are working on to find out what could be the potential mechanism um, that is causing all the degeneration. And is there any way we could, or is there any pathway we could stop, or we could block, or we could target, so that that could uh, you know, prevent further damage. So in that pipeline, we also have some gene therapy strategies also we're working on some antioxidant gene therapy, some anti-inflammatory gene therapy in our lab. So hoping like, you know, those can be useful for the research, you know, that could be useful for the people who those are in kind of this disease. So that's on oh, the pipeline now. Well, yeah. great. I appreciate it. And I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought up the eye drops because I know that that's a, a, a very common um, concern and question we, we, we hear at Bright Focus as well. Um, Dr. Lewin, I was wondering, uh, you know, either in addition or similar to yes. Dr. Biswell, what, what's your sense of hope and faith for the, for the future of, of, of this disease? Well, I'm very hopeful. I, I, I'd like to be. I'd like to be there already. You know, it's frustrating you, when you chat with patients or newly diagnosed people or family members. You'd like to say, oh, here's the cure. We're not there yet, but we're getting there. I I recognize that that there has recently been completed a, a phase three study for an injectable uh, drug for treatment of ad, uh, advanced dry AMD. This is the first time, that study is the first time that, that uh, any compound has gotten that far. And so even though it has its downsides, it's injectable just like the Lucentis, uh, it, at least it gives some hope. And if that can treat some some patients with dry AMD, that's better than what we've had before. The fact that we were, we've turned that corner makes me uh, very excited to be part of this process because I think many labs like ours, we have a lot of competition, and that's a great thing. Uh, I don't care if we're first. I just want to stimulate the field uh, to get uh, new cures of, out there to patients that are safe and effect, effective. That's great. And I really appreciate uh, both of you sharing that uh, that optimism. It's good to see that people who are working on the cures, um, you know, have some some, some hope. So, so in closing, I want to thank Drs. Lewin and Biswal for sharing with us the encouraging news out of their lab. I think it was a great opportunity for us to, to hear firsthand from some of the, the world's leading scientists and I want to thank them for their for their time and their generosity. To our listeners, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. I get Drs. Lewin and Biswas, want to thank you uh, very much for, for taking time. And thank you. Great. So on, on that note, this concludes the Bright Focus chat. I want to thank you uh, for being a part of it, and hope you have a great day. Thanks. The information provided in this recording is a public service of Bright Focus Foundation and is not intended to constitute medical advice. Please consult your physician for personalized medical, dietary, and or exercise advice. Any medications or supplements should only be taken under medical supervision. Bright Focus Foundation does not endorse any medical products or therapies.